This podcast details true crime cases. It contains adult themes and may contain descriptions of violence. It is not intended for children. Listener discretion is advised. Thanks for joining us today for this uh, special December episode of What's Upon a Crime. As you guys know, in December, what I do is I bring on some special guests and we just have a fun conversation about something we're all maybe talking about or watching or something in the news. And I have a few this time. Usually I only have one, so this is going to be extra special. I have not done this before on What's Upon a Crime. So hopefully it'll be a little holiday treat for everybody. But first of all, uh, you guys know Lorena. Lorena's here with me. Say hi, Lorena. Hello, everyone. So Lorena will be here joining me. The other special guests that we have uh, today are Tim and Lance from Crawl Space Podcast. And they are the ones that brought up the idea of talking about this. And I really am interested to find out what it is that they were so, you know, like interested to talk about <laughs> with this series <laughs> because there's so much that can be said. So welcome, uh, Tim and Lance. I'm really, really happy to have you guys here. Thank you, Esther and Lorena. How are you both doing? Doing well, doing well. Good. So, pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> such a uh, pleasure to be invited on your show. Yeah, Crawl Space, <laughs> we like to say, is uh, is where crime and culture intersect. And uh, like so this that. case with, with The Watcher is kind of right along the lines of something that we like to cover um, that is creepy AF, I'll say. <laughs> Um, and it's also a series on Netflix. So it kind of right. uh, checks checks two uh, boxes for us. We're going to be talking about a case that I covered briefly, gosh, way back in 2017. Um, and has become kind of a, a thing now uh, because it, there is a series that came out on Netflix. Of course, we know Netflix, everything blows up on Netflix, right? So People have been talking about this series and I really didn't even know that it had anything to do with this case that I had covered way back when um, until somebody brought it to my attention and I was like, really? So I had to take a look at it. So question, um, I'm sure you guys did, but did you guys know about the actual real Watcher case before it became a series on Netflix? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I listened to the episode back in 2017. Okay. And there was an article that came out like right around that time as well. But yeah, yeah, kind of kind of familiar with it. Gotcha. Yeah, so yeah definitely familiar. To every, so to catch everybody up on uh, on this case, I, I mean... I know a lot of people have watched this series or are watching the series right now because it just recently came out, correct? I think it was maybe in October. In October. Yeah, on Netflix. But uh, so just to tell you a little bit of background about the actual case, because that's a good question, Lorena. Maybe people don't know that this was something that was, I mean, it says it at the beginning, I think maybe that it's a true story. I can't remember. But yes. of course, you no, know, what does that really mean? You know? Yeah. A lot of horror stories <laughs> based, or horror films say that, like events, based. Right? Yeah, exactly. But how closely do they, you know, adhere to the actual story? So we'll talk a little bit about that. J just to give you a little summary, and this I'm actually going back to my original story that I, and there has been, I believe, a couple of updates maybe, 
Um, but this is story is all about the infamous Watcher House, and this is located in Westfield, New Jersey. Um, in 2014, a couple named Derek and Maria Bradis purchased this house, beautiful home, for $1.3 million. It was a six-bedroom, four-bath colonial-style house, and they that felt they uh, had found their dream home, just like the couple in the series. But not long after, they started getting a series of really creepy letters, who, uh, and the letter writer was saying that he was stalking them, basically, watching everything that they were doing. They began receiving these letters, um, and again, this is the true, true part of it. They began receiving these letters, uh, the first one only three days after they purchased the home, not after moving into the home, like we'll, we'll talk about the series shows. The, and the, just to give you an idea of the first letter, and I believe they stuck pretty closely to the actual words from the letters in the show, if I recall correctly. Um, but the first letter read, started out at like this. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s and my father watched in the 1960s. It's now my time. I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its, talking about the house, its second coming. Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them out to me. And he started saying more things that were a little bit, writing more things that were more, they felt threatening to their children, um, that they were going to know they would need they wanted to know which who was in what bedroom but they would find out and they would know and then they could plan things like that that made it really um made it made you know of course parents of children very nervous so they continue to arrive talking about secret hiding places in the house have they found out what's in the walls yet i mean think about this this is something that would cause anybody pause now you one of the things that is different is they had not moved into the house before they got these letters, correct, Lorena? And how did that play out for this in the story? Um, in the so story. yeah, story. like you mentioned, they had um, received the first letter three days after closing on the house. So not even moving in. Um, and yet somehow the watcher knew that they had kids. Like, was he watching during the open house? Was he watching? That's what's the creepiest part of the whole thing. Um, in the show, the letter comes like once the family is moved in and everything. And he sees that there's obviously kids in the house once they're there in the show. But also um, another thing to debunk from the show, these kids in real life were young. I think the youngest was what? like six months or something. Um, mm -hmm. But then there was three kids and they were all young. Whereas in the show, they're teenagers and yeah, they're still young, but like, I don't know, as a toddler of a, a parent of a toddler, I think that would be, I mean, the whole thing is creepy, especially in the show, but like for like young, young children, I think that would be even more creepy. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and he did sign the letters, the watcher, I forgot to say that he, he signed them the watcher, which is why they call this the watcher house. So yeah. And in the right. first letter, he did not know um, their name yet. He didn't refer to them by their last name or their first names or anything. Whereas we come to find out in the second letter, he knows all of their names. Um, and he names them in order of when they were born. And he knows the mom and dad's name, everything. So how did he learn? So creepy. <laughs> pretty creepy. And so was the, the real estate agent. Well, apparently. Apparently, the, the first letter was sent before the, the sale was even public. Oh. Yeah, so the house didn't actually um, even go up for sale. Like, this must have been, like, a private sale. Uh, they definitely probably had it, 
you know, had it in with the real estate agent. She probably, he, they, whoever it was, um, they probably, you know, showed them the house privately. So was he watching before it even went up for sale? Was there even a for sale sign on the lawn? Did anybody know? <laughs> That's what makes it so creepy. The real story. No. Makes it creepy. <laughs> Apparently never a for sale sign uh, oh, wow. on yeah. the lawn. Yeah. Yeah. So these people, you know, before they, because they, they weren't going to move in right away anyway, because they were doing renovations on the house. So they weren't going to move in right away. They actually ended up putting in about a hundred thousand dollars worth of renovations in this home. Um, that had originally been built in 1905. So it did need some upgrades and things like that. But that was one of the things that the, the real letter writer complained about was, um, you know, doing any kind of changes to the house. So that was part of it. They reported these letters as threats to the Westfield Police Department and an investigation was opened, but the Broadduses were actually too frightened to move into their new house. They actually never lived in that house. So that's completely different from the show, which of course would have made it a non-show. So totally. <laughs> we have to get them in the house. <laughs> So, but there are some other things that we'll talk about that as we go, but what do you guys, what was it about this uh, that you decided, Hey, I want to watch this show. And what did you, what is your, what is your general impressions just uh, at, at the top of this here? A couple of great actors are in the show and the premise for this, the show on Netflix is great. Um, and I would even say the first couple of episodes are pretty good. They're dramatically compelling. I would call them. And then the, the show, sinks uh like a like a stone in water it's it's unbelievable how the rest of the episodes uh end up uh sort of unraveling but uh initially it's just a great hook for a dramatic and creepy show it really is and there's only like a few items when i am reading something or watching something that's in the suspense horror like thriller genre that really get me like get under my skin and the idea that someone is invading your private space and you don't know who they are is definitely one of those and that's the hook that tim just mentioned like you're you haven't even given even moved a single item into your new home you haven't even you've barely had time to tell your friends and all of a sudden you're getting a note that that is like so eerily it's it's almost friendly at first, right? It's almost it and and then it just like it it gets into this, you know, the these like threatening tones to it, but I just like totally dig that concept and the story, mm -hmm. even the the real life story. Like I just love that concept. It's terrifying. And and it's yeah. it's it's it, it it makes you want to see what's next, what's coming up, what's around that corner and you know, but then like Tim said it the the Netflix series my God, it's like <laughs> well, riding the insane doing? horse to the burning barn. <laughs> if they're deviating from the truth, why not just send more letters to the fake family in the show? Like when the letters were sent, you, I was riveted, totally riveted. There was three letters in the series that were sent, were sent much like real life. I think there were three letters that were sent. Mm -hmm. um, but if they're, if they're fictionalizing this anyway, I don't understand why they limited it to three when they, it was a seven or eight episodes on the series. They could have easily yeah. had like five or six letters. Like, I don't, I don't understand what they were doing there. I was, gonna, I was just going to say off of what Lance was saying about that whole idea of moving into a new place. And, and I really didn't think about that, but if you, 
you kind of think about how that feels when you move into a new place and you're unfamiliar with your surroundings. The first thing you want to do is find a way to make yourself feel comfortable there. So, you know, you bring in maybe some of your, your the things that are most important to you, maybe hang up those pictures first on the wall or put in that, you know, comfy couch that you love or, and then you, you know, little by little try to, to meet your neighbors. And so you feel comfortable. I mean, we've all been there. Right. But I was thinking about when you're saying that, like, if you move in and right away, there's something that feels off, like, then what do you do? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you kind of reconcile yourself? Like, oh no, it's okay. I'll be all right here. You know, like right away, you're like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I, I, I like this at all. And how do I, but you've already committed, you're already there. Right. So that I never, I didn't really think about that. I think one of the things in the show and, and one of the things, even in the articles of the, of the real uh, story, people always talk about the money they invested, the money they invested. Yeah. They invested yeah. so much money at this very expensive home. They put all this money in renovations, which of course is a huge investment, kept them tied to this place. But even if you, it wasn't that, even if you just rented a place and put down a deposit, you know what I mean? It's still an investment of your time, of your energy, of, you know, you're committing yourself to something. So that, that's, that was a good point. I just wanted to, to mention that. No, for sure. Um, yeah, a mortgage is, gosh, forever. So could you imagine a $1.5 million home yeah. <laughs> and you're committing to that mortgage? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, as soon as I started watching it, I think it was um, I, the second episode where there was a scene with like a phone call. I was like already thinking in my head, I think they blended two different cases together. And then as the series go on, we find out that they totally did. So there definitely is one, another case um, that was blended in with the Watcher series. But uh, there's definitely a third one too. I don't know if you guys caught the third one. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not sure. I, I might, my, oh, my might second one might be your third one. I <laughs> oh, don't know. Oh, that's true, actually. Yeah. <laughs> my twist. fourth one might be your first one. Fourth? Oh, snap. No. Okay. I got to add to my notes. <laughs> before we, before it, we go into that, I want, I want you guys to, to just uh, talk a little bit about, about the neighbors they put into, because that's from the jump from the first episode. <laughs> these neighbors, I would see these neighbors and say, oh, hell no. <laughs> I'm out. These people, I'm locking my door. I'm closing my blinds. These people are weird. So what did you guys make of that? I think it's classic Ryan Murphy, like in, in someone else's hands, like this, it, like we're going to give it a lot of, we can swear on this, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. We're going to give the show a lot of shit today. And, (laughs) but, but it's in a fun way because in anyone else's hands, it would just be bad. But in Ryan Murphy's (laughs) hands, it's fun, bad. And those neighbors are part of that like fun badness of it, like, yeah. and and they are a stereo. Every one of them is one stereotype of a horrible neighbor, and you just spread them out amongst multiple horrible neighbors. To and and I feel like when they're shooting it or writing it or or doing rehearsals, I feel like Ryan Murphy's like uh, up a notch. Yeah, no, take up, it up, up a just notch. a little bit more. A, a little more. A little more. What's what's what can you do now? I love it. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that couple life, was great. Oh, yeah, the, the couple. So creepy. When, uh, what's the dad's name? Um, He, he was like, okay, Professor McGonagall. <laughs> I just yeah. lost <laughs> it. <laughs> with the neighbor with the braids. Um, But no, in real life, there was a really eccentric family in the neighborhood that they had as a neighbor. Um, They were the Langfords. 
Um, they came under suspicion. Uh, they, the real family in real life hired a private investigator and they ran a background check on the family, but they didn't find anything, but they were just an eccentric family that in a neighborhood, I feel like each neighborhood has a family like that, right? <laughs> and they, oh, at least, a, at least one. It wasn't yeah. a Jas Jasper Winslow though, right? Oh, no, no. It wasn't Jasper. a Professor McGonagall situation. Or maybe it was, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, so Mia Farrow plays Pearl Winslow, who she's like oh. the hippy dippy uh, neighbor next door. And man, she, yeah, she looks completely different. Um, and she's just one of these, you're like, I don't know. To me, she'd be the neighbor from hell. That one would be the neighbor from hell for me because she just, first of all, she's just so <laughs> judgy. <laughs> and she's, yeah, it's, it, it's, there's something about her that just creeps me out in this character. <laughs> so even more than, you know, Jasper, her, what is that? Is it her son? I think it's Jasper. her brother. Yeah. It was a brother. Or her son? Oh, I, I don't know. know. Her brother's son. Brother her son. brother's son. <laughs> Might as well have been, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, take it up a notch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 The casting so... of Mia Farrow <laughs> led me to look uh, in her direction as far as a suspect in the show, uh, because mm -hmm. Mia Farrow famously in Rosemary's Baby and uh, horror creators like to use actors from old horror movies uh, in their in their new thing to sort of make a connection there. And usually I look there uh, as mm -hmm. like a possible suspect or something that that's where I was looking. Mm hmm. And then Mitch and Mo, I love Richard Kind anyway. I think he's so yes. funny. Um, and he just played such a quirky character on this as well, but creepy as hell. And then Mo, you know, comes across as, oh, here's some cookies. And, you know, but in two seconds, you're like, there's something off about this woman. <laughs> who who played her? I always forget her name. Um, uh, Margo, Margo Martindale is her name. Yes. Yeah. One of those, <laughs> one of those fantastic actors who can do that with their body language. And just a slight shift in their facial expression where she'll use the character's words against them. And it's like so like menacing the way she'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, starts off from, with. Yeah. Were they like the ones that were. Devious. were right. Yes. In, 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 a, in a second. You're right. Just in a second. Like she's super nice. And then her face just changes completely. And it's like, oh, shit. Harvesting the arugula over the fence or oh, something. Yeah. <laughs> And then he just, he's like, get off my property. Oh, that, oh, okay. Now he's already, first of all, you can tell these neighbors are creepy as hell already or weird or something. And then right away, he's going to start a problem, like get off my lawn. So I'm like, okay, that that's not smart, dude. But yeah. uh, I don't know. It, that was very it, odd. It seemed like uh, to me right away, like even with the setup with the letters, like you're taking control away from these homeowners, any control whatsoever. Can't control who your neighbors are. You can't you can't stop these letters. You don't even know who it is. So in mm -hmm. a way, that's that's unnerving too, uh, knowing that you kind of have just no options. Yeah, that's one of my biggest fears of purchasing a home is the neighbors. I've had, I've been super lucky with great neighbors of all in all the places that I've lived, but um, I couldn't imagine having to commit to purchasing a home and having terrible neighbors. Gosh, that would just be like the worst nightmare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, you so have all these people, they set this up and, and what you find out right away is, well, at least I got a sense right away. I think these homeowners were a little bit naive even though they're supposed to be from new york city <laughs> they're pretty naive it's like nobody what everybody seemed like there were secrets 
And the second you met them and it was like, there's nobody in your corner, guys. You guys need to do your own homework. Oh, we need a private detective. So the the detective, the chief, uh, the uh, police department there, who's not helpful at all, says, oh, I've got somebody for you. Why would you take that recommendation? <laughs> Why would you go to New York City and get a real private detective? <laughs> <laughs> it was that way all the way through it. Like, come on, everybody through <laughs> One one theme that I really loved in a frustrating way was how if a little bit more communication had happened between family members and even between the neighbors and people didn't just skip that one thing, like like the the automatically assuming that something happened. So we're not going to talk about it because we've we've assumed that it's going to that it, that it happened, like when the um the videotape of the woman getting into bed with the husband <laughs> It was just assumed that he like did something with her. No one ever like actually thought about it for a second to be like, but you never woke up and she must have left at some point. So right. the issue isn't you being like having an affair. The issue is where did she come from? Right. Like, I yeah. totally instead, agree. That instead was the wife's like, I'm out of this marriage. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, did, I'm pretty sure the girl probably just disappeared at a certain point if you kept watching the video. Yeah. Like mystery yeah, solved, that's actually, baby. Yeah. <laughs> No one When does the video cut off? Because you see her get it, and then it's like, how it's long never is addressed. It? <laughs> I have questions. Yes, I have many questions. Yes. Well, and if they wanted to continue with that plot line, it would have been just as easy to have him kind of in like, let's say he goes to bed and he's, you know, he's he's upset and he has a couple of drinks and he goes to bed. And he kind of passes out, and then a woman comes in and he maybe messes around with her and and then he like snaps out of it you know and, and maybe she kind of looks like his wife or something you know like they could have had some interaction between the two to maybe explain right. that a little or or helped like move the plot along and that would give the his wife a little bit more uh incentive to be like this i gotta we have to separate the marriage is you know is on the rocks but they, yeah. like, they didn't even talk about what happened beyond what we saw in the video yeah the hanging right. chad yeah, wh yeah what even like this so that was a ghost we're left to believe that was a ghost i guess or they were going through the tunnels yeah so uh, did you guys finish the series i did i i forget yeah. I, I i guess you're right that this was someone going through the tunnel well um well we end up we spoiler alert uh listeners <laughs> if you guys haven't watched the show um this uh, episode is going to be filled with filled with spoiler alerts um but uh or spoilers we'll put tags in there so you guys can fast forward if you don't want to hear this part. um at the end of the series like in the very last like five minutes of the last episode um the private detective comes out and says it was all her she hired a girl to come through but then in the very like last two minutes the daughter is like yeah actually no it didn't happen so what we think happened was somebody that the private investigator investigator hired put her through a area where the cameras weren't facing and what had her come in and out that way but that's we mm, find out that ridiculous. that's not true i know yeah. they were going i was out. like the last episode i, I fell asleep like three point. times watching the last episode because it was just was so it was like okay come on like can we just yeah wrap it, it up one <laughs> way yeah. or yeah. the other yeah and the what what why would the security kid 
put like the reason he put a camera in the guy's bedroom is absolutely ridiculous because yeah. why did he say he wanted to make sure that he wasn't the one writing the letters? Yeah. Why would he <laughs> write him in his bedroom from that <laughs> angle? Yeah. And then when the kid blackmails uh, the the guy, the dad, <laughs> he gets him fired from his job. It and then they're so, buddies uh, later. Yeah. And then they're oh, bizarre. Here, have some wine. Yeah. <laughs> Smell it first. I'll give you my blessing oh, yeah. to marry my daughter. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, in real life, um, I don't know if you guys saw this in one of the updated articles. Uh, Derek brought us, he did admit to being a depressed wreck, you know, when trying to figure out what to do with this new home and how to protect his family. So, yes, I think they did do a really good job of like portraying the type of stress that the character was under could you imagine you know your daughter acting out um i don't know how old the daughter was in real life but who knows i'm sure in real life these kids probably were like irritable like what's going on are we going to move are we not moving you i'm sure they had the conversation of like you guys are going to switch schools but now you're not so i can't imagine the type of stress that it did have on the real family i know we're laughing about it but gosh i can't imagine the poor guy (laughs) there were times throughout the show that you do feel bad for him at least they didn't have a ferret, though. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they did. <laughs> what did what did what did the the the, the real estate agent call it a muskrat? Muskrat. Yeah. <laughs> she was too much. Oh, I forget what she was on, but she's uh her name is Jennifer Coolidge. Um, she played Karen, the real estate agent, and she's great. Oh yeah, yeah, she's yeah. great. She's yeah, she's, she's in the blonde. White Lotus. Oh, yeah. oh she's in the White Lotus. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. If you ever read yeah. anything about her and what she like, how she she kind of like got depressed during COVID, I think, and she was talking about how she didn't think she was going to be able to like work anymore, and um, but she did it in her way, where it was like sort of self-effacing, like very funny. She was like, you know, how many pizzas can you eat a day? Like she was she was really interesting in her description of I think the way a lot of people fell into, you know, or fell into a, a rut during COVID. So if you ever get a chance to read about her her reaction to that, it's pretty interesting and funny. Nice. Yeah. Well, the reaction from the characters in the Netflix series, I thought, like, uh, you know, the, the stress was real. The feeling of them being stressed, like, I got that. But their effect, the effects of the stress on them, I thought, was kind of absurd at times. Uh, like the dad, the dad wrote one of the letters in the fictional show, mm-hmm. completely insane. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, I know that is one of the theories in the real life case, um, but in the net in the Netflix series two more than one source did not write those letters. And it was stupid to uh, mm-hmm. to assume <laughs> that, or the, that that could have even been possible that the oh, it's in the same voice. It's the same type. It's just as you know what I mean? It's uh, it linguistically wouldn't match up. And it was absurd. Well, and especially in the show, there was a history of letters that came in before. But in real life, we know that only one only one letter ever existed before the Broadus family moved in. So obviously, if there's a line of letters that came in, it's got to be a neighbor that's been there forever. They're and especially a neighbor in like close proximity, like they were in the show. I would have immediately tried to get a search warrant, but of course it's a dramatized show, so they wouldn't be able to. Yeah. <laughs> there would be nothing there. But um, yeah, totally a neighbor from the beginning, and then as we come to find out, the tunnels, and then yeah, totally was 
Professor McGonagall. I really enjoyed the fact that somehow they managed to even work in QAnon. Oh, yeah. This whole thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you noticed that? Yeah. That was Mo. That was Mo saying, okay, yeah. I, I love she's drinking, mouth on drinking the blood of children. Yes. <laughs> oh, right. Remember that? that yeah. Sucking this is the, the blood of children through his fingers or whatever. This is why that show is like so fun bad because as we're talking about it, I, I had totally forgotten about the the burnt out actor or talent agent who turned into an actor. Like his character was yeah. so was so off the off the wall. It is so out of left field. Oh yeah. Great, great stuff. And that's that's the part I was that's the part I was I was just gonna get to because we have to talk about John Graff because that's a mm. whole other actual true crime story that they threw into the works, which I thought was a great way to do that what made it really interesting for me, even though, you know, it's total bullshit, but it was fun because you have this whole side story about this murder that it, it supposedly happened in the house that nobody talks about, not even the detective, but yet he gives them the whole case file, which makes no sense. Right. Oh, we don't know anything about it, but here's his box. Why don't you go look through that and find out for yourself? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, okay, that makes sense. But it all has to do with, you know, he comes in the house, and there's supposedly a building inspector. He did, again, the assumption, like you were saying, Lance, is just an assumption that this guy's a building inspector or something. He doesn't even know who he is. He just starts talking to him and his name, you know, calls himself John Graff. And it turns out the entire story he tells is the John List story, which is the story out of, you know, another home, not this home, another home that where it was a, a, a family annihilator case. And it's funny because it's one of the, we covered this in the first season of Once Upon a Crime. And this to, today is still one of our top, our most, uh, most, most frequently downloaded episodes is the John List case. So um, it's, it's a really interesting case. It was actually the first case that was uh, featured on America's Most Wanted. And this is how he was caught. I think it was 17 years later um, where, you know, he goes in, he, he, the parts that they told that were really stuck true to the story were the fact that he bought this house he really couldn't afford. He had this family, his mother, who was a total bitch, which is true, lived with, <laughs> lived with them and was on him all the time. Like, oh, you need to get a better job and ask for a raise and da -da 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 -da, and all this kind of stuff. And the guy was just a mousy kind of a you know, bookkeeper type dude, accountant, whatever. Um, never spoke up for yes, yes, dear, yes, mother, yes, dear, yes, mother kind of guy, right? Um, so he ends up losing his job, can't pay for this house. Uh, he was also very religious, like they 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 say in this guy was very, you know, religious. He's talking scripture and stuff like that. He's talking to this guy saying you should go to church and blah, blah, blah. And um he comes home, you know, comes and the and the way that they talk about how he um carried out the murders is spot on exactly what happened in the case so even the fact that he goes to get the son from the basketball game and brings him home and he's the last one shot um and then he goes on the run and he leaves but they you know this one of course they say he's never he was never caught or they didn't know i guess that he was just gone the creepy detail about that um that they did kind of talk about was he turns the radio on or he has music playing or something like that he did do that because this home had one of those intercom systems where you could turn something on and it would go throughout the house. And the house was pretty much empty because he really couldn't afford furniture because when he bought this house, they dumped everything. They really didn't have much furniture. So it was pretty, you can still see pictures of it to this day. And um, 
it was pretty empty. So it was very echoey in there and cold. And he turned on this, this radio and it was playing through the house and he had all believe the lights on. So it looked like people were home, but the lights never turned off. So the neighbor's like, what's going on? Why aren't the lights ever turning off? And he also turned the the AC or, or something up high so that the bodies would not decompose as quickly. So maybe the smell wouldn't, you know, alert people because he wanted enough time to get away as far away as possible. So it was, that was really interesting, but it's, of course they don't say, you know, it's John List or they don't say, they say it was that house and it wasn't. So, but this, you know, so I was like, oh my God, it's John List. (laughs) (laughs) That was my fun moment from the show. That was my best moment from the show when I was like, oh man, they're not doing that. But I was like, they might as well throw Amityville in there because the actual Watcher house looks like the Amityville house. It has, it's that, it's one of those types, you know, the house with the big windows look like eyeballs, you know, the top, which I hate those. Cause like you guys, I lived in New England when I moved there from California, I was already like way into uh, uh, the the Amityville story. And I'm like, oh no, the whole Amityville houses are surrounding me. And I couldn't take it. Um, <laughs> it was super creepy. Yeah, what you guys don't know about Esther is that she's the biggest chicken. (laughs) She (laughs) literally sits in her office dark and researching true crime, murder, everything. But if you mention a horror film, she's like, oh, no, like, I can't do that. She (laughs) does not like horror films. So, yeah, when we were messaging back and forth about The Watcher, she was like, oh, I don't know if I can watch that. And I'm like, it's not that creepy. You got it. You got it. It was was actually very entertaining. So so what did you guys make it? Did you guys recognize the John List story right away? Did you learn about that later? What did you think about them using that as part of this story? (laughs) it well it stuck out so much during the the viewing of i think this was episode two that this happened um that this guy uh john graff shows up in the in the fictionalized show um i it, it kind of stuck out like a sore thumb it's like well this the, why would they include this this has to be it was too specific it had to be real so i googled it i actually thought it was a different case i didn't know about the john list case until i did my googling and found out that it was uh the John List case that they that they had uh, sort of used in the Watcher, and then it struck me like, oh, they're trying to do like an American Horror Story thing with this show, mm-hmm. and maybe they're going to try to do more seasons too. But I don't know, kind of just fell apart. the The case that I thought it was about was this guy John William McGrath, who also killed his family, but then escaped from a New Hampshire um, hospital, a, a, a mental institution. After killing his mother, father, his two younger brothers with a rifle, one by one, he was uh, sentenced to life, but then he vanished, never to be found again. And this was in 1974. He's still never been found. I have a major problem with the Watcher show, not using this case, but then using the John List case. The guy was in jail by the time he would have been there at the house. What are we doing, Watcher? Well, may, that's, as you say that, because I don't know about that case, but it sounds to me like it's possible that's what they were go to, going to do. And then they like the details of the John List case better and use that instead. Possibly. I mean, could I have don't been, know. Could have been a, maybe a mashup because the name's similar. It right. is. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Was anyone else craving a sandwich after the scene where he made himself a sandwich in the kitchen? <laughs> he made that sandwich, and I was like, "That that stole the scene." I was like, "That was a good-looking sandwich." And then he didn't want to eat it. What the hell? He I know. Just leaves it. I'm really yeah. hungry after all. Like, dude. 
Who do you let go into your refrigerator and make a sandwich? When does that ever happen? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And who thinks it literally like, oh, help yourself. Okay. I'm going to make a full on sandwich. I'm going to cut, I'm going to slice some tomatoes, wash some romaine lettuce and... (laughs) I'm going to wash the romaine lettuce. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Come on. Also, super funny that you mentioned the the family being naive, even though they're from New York City. And, you know, he's got this high pressure job. And like the this guy is he's the he's the home inspector. And all he does is like touch the hood of the stove. And he's like, yeah, this checks out. (laughs) Looks good. (laughs) Like you're that naive. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, wow. good. and what was even was his job i don't even know what he did do you guys know what he did um in real life uh derek was an accountant of some sort but uh i think in the series he was like some type of firm a lawyer or something because yeah they, right because he wanted to make he wanted to make partner, partner. Isn't yeah that's such a weak storyline for any family <laughs> that's falling apart like the dad doesn't make partner, doesn't make partner. <laughs> I just, but you're gonna make partner right no nah, i guess yeah. not maybe next year yeah and of and course he never tells I, his wife when he course. should be telling right. his wife <laughs> right yeah and the other thing that i called bullshit on was the fact that she's an artist making these pots or whatever and then she goes, she, she just happens to wander into the gallery. Uh, when you know what's going on with your show? And also she says, oh my God, everything's been sold. First of all, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, I think that the gallery owner would call you like, oh my God, we sold everything. You know what I mean? Like, you're like oh yeah, by the way, you sold everything. That Come would, on, would that- call him just when one thing sells. Yeah. Right. Like, hey. Congratulations. She had to go all the way there on her own to find out randomly. <laughs> She's a great artist. You leave her alone. Oh, probably, probably a wonderful artist. I I do love Naomi Watts, so Thanks. fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I keep calling her Claire Danes at the beginning. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's Claire Danes. I don't know why. I thought Claire Danes. I don't know what, what happened there. She's got a Claire Danes look to her. Yeah, I thought so. Maybe at the very beginning, I thought she did, but I was like, that's not Claire Danes. What am I thinking? Tim, your second or third wasn't either of mine. So, what? Oh <laughs> yeah, my gosh. I, like Esther mentioned, I had no idea about the, the actual John Graff case. But what I was talking about was actually, and I think it was either in the first or second episode as well when the family was now staying at the motel and the dad was staying back at the house with the call that comes in to the mom. Uh, Which was clever. I'll give him that. That was clever. But do you guys know about that case? No. Okay. Uh, So uh, Esther also did uh, cover this case um, early on in Once Upon a Crime. To me, as soon as I saw this scene, I was like, oh my God, they got this from this case. There was a family in Washington state where... Um, the oldest daughter, I think her name was Courtney, um, started getting just like random text messages to her phone. And then her phone started texting friends randomly. But then when she would look back at her sent messages, they weren't there. So first just started off with text messages, but then the family started getting calls to their landline and it was from a restricted number. And then when um, investigators tried to trace the calls, it was coming from their landline. So that actually happened. It was the, how do you say it, Esther? Kuykendall? Kuykendall case. Was that the Kuykendalls? Kuykendalls, yeah. In Washington State. 
um and yes when a stranger calls uh kind of yeah yeah these calls are coming from inside the house yeah right yes yeah yeah it was a very yeah very weird case that was in 2007 yeah I, i was doing a little bit of research on it yesterday and that was the year that the iphone came out and so um you know cybersecurity wasn't really a thing and so people were able to hack phones super easy and especially a teenage girl's cell phone and then be able to hack onto whatever internet server they had and then onto their landline but at first the calls started off not malicious or anything but by the end of it it was like i see what you're doing i'm gonna come into the room here and really threatening the family um but just like the watcher case they never found out after installing security cameras um hiring private investigators they never figured out who did this to them so very scary that's terrifying to me see that's the invasion of privacy that is freaky to me yeah yeah you just you feel violated almost especially nowadays gosh we're all on our phones could you imagine getting text messages that way i hate when i get random numbers that i did subscribe to like oh subscribe to this and it's like oh hey lorena did it i'm like how do you know my name but I subscribe to it. <laughs> like, stop to opt out. Stop, stop, stop. I well, our, I mean, I, like I get some random text messages sometimes too from weird numbers. Sometimes they say like, hi, just hi, or hi, Tim. And I think it's just spam stuff. They're trying to start a conversation. But what if I wrote back, you know, like where where would that go? Could that get creepy? I guess I'm I'm bringing this up because the Woods family who owned the house before the um the family that was based on in the the Watcher series, um they said that they got a letter, one letter, and it wasn't they didn't really think too much of it, and they just threw it away. Um, and they so they didn't disclose anything when they sold the house to the Brad Braddocks uh, Broadduses. Um. So and then the Broadduses were angry at them afterwards because they they didn't think that was true. They thought they they must have gotten threatening letters too. Like what would happen? I guess is my question. Like if the Broadduses just threw the letters away and just moved in and just said screw, screw this, you know, <laughs> I, I don't care what you're saying. Just watcher, rip it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would that have? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to victim blame, but they are kind of giving them the control in a, in a sense, like they could have just moved in. Right. I mean, I, I I would be frightened too. Don't get me wrong. And my family would be too. Yeah. 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 Of course, you know, in the, in the dramatized version, they're going to take it to the, you know, uh, hidden tunnels and satanic rituals. And what else did they throw in there that we forgot about? Yeah. (laughs) What are they doing? Really? (laughs) Just, keep it contained you know had that show like ended up being about one of those neighbors no tunnels no satanic bs like that that could have actually been unnerving throughout the entire series yeah pick a monster right yeah (laughs) or just throw all the monsters in was 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 the uh, the the um the board the the they're trying to solve where they had the board with everything up with all the strings and the pictures and the I'm like that is a meme isn't that a Charlie Day meme like, oh yeah yeah <laughs> and, it is. Like, like, and we need and, to put that up in the studio Lauren. we need to have a board with strings yes. and taps and pictures and... like yeah, enough is enough with the like the absolute certainty at the end of almost every episode where the private detective is like absolutely certain it's it's somebody 
And then the next episode, it just kind of works itself out. And she's like, no, it's this one. It's like, well, who? Okay, so it's now this person. And then, and then, uh, well, then it's your husband. Yeah. <laughs> that Good was the God. worst twist. Yeah. yeah. I was out. I think I was out at that point because I, I stopped feeling bad for them. It's yeah. like, well, I, you know, you don't deserve my, uh, my empathy at this point. <laughs> running oh, around God. yelling at people i'm like wow that's gonna really help <laughs> right so what was the story with the actor guy was was he actually like telling that's the truth what i was wanted he... to know yeah another know. dangling that... chat of a plot line <laughs> yeah maybe they maybe they do have an idea uh there's like second seasons in the works of like follow now the crazy actor guy <laughs> please no don't do no, it. No, I'm fine not knowing. No, don't do it. <laughs> when he saw the guy on the Viagra commercial or whatever the hell it was, he was like, ah, he's an actor. <laughs> then he goes and he finds him, tracks him down. It's like, you're an actor. He's like, yeah, I never said I wasn't, dumbass. <laughs> you never asked. <laughs> See? Yeah. You well, <laughs> no, I thought that storyline was pretty good for a while. Uh, but it, it could, it's possible that both are true, right? That he could have lived at the house and could be an actor. But then they they said that he never lived at the house, right? Didn't the detective say that? Yeah. Shooter yeah. McGavin said that later. Yeah. <laughs> Shooter McGavin, <Exactly>. yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, it's just the, yeah, those things that just kind of went nowhere. And I guess I don't know what that that I didn't know what the point of that was. Just, Some of that stuff they, works for TV. Like uh if you have to actually wait a week and then there's commercials. Uh, like that stuff does work on on like cable TV where you just forget about storylines. It's fine. I don't care about it. you don't have to tie up that knot. But in binge TV like Netflix, it doesn't work like that. That's a really right, good right. point. I kind of forgot about cable TV and <laughs> commercials. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe that, that it would have been successful in that type of platform, but not on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. A minor effect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get that buffer of like that week where you can you can forget about some things that are, you know, the minor plot points or the minor things that irritated you. But when you have the option to just keep going, it's like you're doing it because it's it's now like a fun pain. It's like I've already committed to it and it's not bad, but it's like fun to fun to be mad at it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Kind of hate uh, watch it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I uh I'm glad I'm glad we watched it. I'm glad we talked about it because there was a lot to kind of chew on. It's one of those things that you kind of do have to talk about because it's like, wait a minute. What I did you guys get this? Did this make any sense to you? Kind of shows. So that was really that was really cool to do. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I don't know if you guys do this, but anytime something says like based on a real story, as soon as the movie is done, I'm like Googling, like how spot on was that? I watched uh the Elvis movie recently. And I was like, mm. I need to know what exactly was real. Um, I recently watched uh, King Richard with uh, Serena and Venus Williams. And as soon as it was over, I was like, how much was it of this was real? And as soon as the watcher, uh, I mean, even while I was watching, I was like, wait, is that what they're going with? And so even before that was done, I already was like, none of this is real. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully this episode will be able to debunk a lot of what they put out there because yeah other than just the letters a lot of it wasn't real so which is really unfortunate why are you, why are you trying to kill everybody's you know sorry <laughs> <laughs> like, like we've been talking about this for almost an hour and we still haven't like brought up 
a lot of the things that just like were infuriating about it. Like, <laughs> like Tim, Tim, the part where you said you checked out was when? It was when the dad wrote the letter, the reveal when the dad wrote one of the letters. I was like, okay, I'm I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> like the part that I was like, this isn't, this, I shouldn't take this seriously anymore was when the the couple next door <laughs> Oh Kill. god! Oh, walks oh, yes. back home. But then they, but then they weren't. Yeah, who were the bodies? That's what I. Yes. Like, oh, I'm like, this is out of control. Who <laughs> died then? Her son. The, the, their <laughs> son just killed random people and put, yeah. the, put bodies in there, and that's we don't what even she know who those saying. bodies are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it was just like, oh, oh okay. It was just like, oh, okay, that's what happened. Like, no, and, no, and then they're all friends at the end. Yeah, having tea. Eating crumpets. Yeah. yeah. Let, let's look at that mystery, Ryan Murphy, and not the, the mystery of the letters that, you know, how about the murder, the double murder that took place next door? Yeah. yeah, that nobody mentions again. It's just, it is what it is. Oh my God. Yeah. That's what I was at. I'm like, come on. Yeah. yeah. Good, tw- you gotta, you good twist gotta when hear. they were killed. Yeah, I love oh, yeah. it in TV shows when when they kill characters because it's like, oh, it keeps me on my toes, you know? It's good, mm-hmm. especially when you it. like the characters. Yeah. 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 But then yeah, they return was... from their vacation in Florida, and you're like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> tell you, Ryan Murphy's got a, a, a bucket load of money from Netflix and just threw everything but the kitchen sink in there. <laughs> yeah. Even the kitchen sink, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and a sandwich. i mean i really hope there's another season if there's another season i will probably be i'll probably hold out until like i can't take it anymore i'm like okay i'll give it one episode see what happens after one episode yeah does he get all of those those loose ends does he tie them together in a really nice bow or like oh man that was awesome or is it like come on again (laughs) we'll have to wait and see i guess see if it even happens but (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So, Good. so I want to, I want to, but I want before we end, I want you, you guys, to tell our listeners about Crawl Space. You guys do some of this. I know you do interviews and you do talk about things that are happening, you know, more currently and stuff. So, what is coming up? What are some of the things that listeners can, um, you know, enjoy from Crawl Space? Nothing. <laughs> well, just like uh, the Watcher. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You will walk away from it. Learning with more nothing. questions than <laughs> with answers. More questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, we recently spoke with Esther, so that episode will be coming out in a couple weeks. It. Yeah. Show about nothing. <laughs> yeah. And we have a um, new sh- uh, series coming out early next year, starting um, in the first part of next year, in the first few months, probably March, we're thinking. It'll premiere, and it's about the... Connecticut River Valley killings that happened between 1978 and 1988 in the region that borders Vermont and New Hampshire that's divided by the Connecticut River. So this area had a series of murders and you don't hear about the Connecticut River Valley killer or killers often, but there is information out there. And uh, we're covering that in depth. And our um, partner, Jen, has been working diligently on putting those episodes together, working with one of the survivors, law enforcement, um, criminal profiler who worked on it, uh, just a number of people and making like actual headway on it. And that show is going to be called Dark Valley. And yeah, coming out and probably around March and pretty, pretty powerful stuff. 
Yeah, and if it is good enough, then our cohort, uh, Jennifer Mel, will make partner. Um, <laughs> she will make earlier. partner. Yes, she, she will. Won't pass but her yeah, over if it, for the new guy who doesn't <laughs> well, we'll, we can't say yet. We, you know, she's up for partner, but we can't. We can't say yet. We don't know how it's going to go. Jennifer, if you're listening to this, don't buy a house yet. <laughs> yeah, don't buy a house. That sounds that sounds really great. So I'll be looking forward to that. No, that does sound really interesting. I don't even I've never heard of the Connecticut River Killer. River so. Valley Killer, yeah. And uh we're keeping it we've heard of the first couple of episodes. They're fantastic. Uh and Jen has been keeping it. Jen is working, like I said, with the um one of the well, the last surviving victim as they go into the lives of the other victims, as well as the investigation into who this person is, who was never caught, by the way. So mm -hmm. the, the perpetrator is still out there. The survivor has an incredible story and they're working on um, highlighting the other victims that this person or persons were responsible for. Yep. And the show okay. is called Dark Valley coming spring Valley. 2023. Oh, okay. I would say subscribe to Crawl Space so you know that that's coming up and you can subscribe when that one's ready to go, right? For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, actually, you can go to, you can search Dark Valley Podcast and, and we have a trailer up. Thanks so much for coming on, Tim and Lance. And uh, we'll be talking to you guys soon, I'm sure. And I'm sure we'll be seeing you at CrimeCon again. So that yes. should be fun. Can't wait. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks so we much. really appreciate it. Thanks. This is fun. I want to thank Tim and Lance once again for being my guests. We had a great time with Crawl Space and too many laughs to fit into this episode. If you want to hear the complete and uncut version, you can get it on Patreon. If you're not yet a Patreon member, you can join for as little as $2 a month to receive bonus episodes as well as ad-free episodes that you'll have access to before anyone else. Go to patreon.com slash onceuponacrime to find out more and join. We'll be back next week with another special guest and another really fun discussion about a fascinating case. You won't want to miss it, so make sure you subscribe or follow Once Upon a Crime to have access to every episode. Special thanks also to Lorena Garcia for joining me for this episode and for the audio editing. Until next time, be good to one another.